Lord God, we just can't thank you enough that we get to be here in your presence today, Lord, and worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, Lord, may we just pour out all of our hearts and lives to you today because you deserve our everything. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, as you're seated, go ahead and grab a... Uh, uh, one of these little blue connection cards, and especially if you're with us maybe for the first or second time, we would love for you to fill that out so we know who's worshiping with us today. You can put that in the offering plate or take it to the Connection Center after the service. There's also prayer cards available for everybody to make the, uh, get on our prayer list. And then um, we would love to uh, pr share with you a quick promo, and I say quick, you, you blink and it's gone, uh, but guys, show this video about Back to Bethlehem, please. ...in the city tonight, as if something is about to happen. Please, follow me. I have never seen so many selling their wares in Bethlehem. A child was born tonight right here in Bethlehem. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. So we are hoping and praying that you will be a part of Back to Bethlehem uh, this year. If you've not ever been a part of this, we've got a little longer video clip we're going to put on the website uh, maybe within a week so you can get a little bit better feel of what it's about. Uh, we are also going to have a meeting next Sunday after church. Uh, for everybody who's maybe completely new to Back to Bethlehem, you just got questions, you don't know what it means, how, how, do, I, how, do, how do I get involved? Uh, but we, so we'll have that right after church next week, not today, but next week we'll have a brief meeting in here about that, okay? So put that on your calendar, and we hope that you can be a part of Bethlehem uh, this year. Well, as we go into uh, today's worship, we are going to be talking about uh, Psalm 46. And so let's just uh, say together, uh, the very first verse. God is our refuge and strength, a very help in trouble.
a blast from the past, a 30-year-old song, Shout to the Lord, that reminds us that we shout to the Lord, that we give Him thanks, that we give Him praise, because He is our tower of refuge and strength. the one 
Let's bow together. Lord, we are reminded that the Holy Scriptures say that your promises are always yes and amen. And we just, uh, Lord, we just relish in the fact that we serve such a mighty, sovereign God. Never, ever once sinned, never, ever once made a mistake, never, ever once uh, sitting in heaven's throne, uh, wringing your hands, wondering what the outcome will be. Lord, you are perfect uh, in control, and, and we just place our life in your hands. Lord, help us to uh, just be faithful in this time of giving, this time of offering. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want you to meditate and listen to a great old hymn that reminds us that we need to be still and know that God is on our side.
shares the gospel. For my life he bled and died, Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied, he will hold me fast. a new song I'd like for us to learn. Uh, when you are about to take that next step and you don't know where it's leading and you're just scared as you can be, remember, God's already there. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Right, let's pray together. Great God, we bow before you, and at this hour, <clears throat> Lord, uh, as we open up your word, we are reminded that your word is truth. We are reminded that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. We're reminded. As the writer of Hebrews tells us, that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we welcome you to cut us with the Word, to form us into what you would have us to be. And Lord, help us, Lord, to have good minds that are ready to listen and to receive and to think about your truth as this psalm helps us do in the interludes of Selah, to think about what we're learning from your word. Lord, confront us with your truth, undermine our complacency. Lord, override our thoughts of complacency, and, and Lord, confront us with your word today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 46. Good morning, by the way. Missed you guys last week. Usually when I'm away... Uh, I end up preaching on a Sunday somewhere. That did not happen this week. And uh, it was a blessing, though, to be with family and to, uh, everybody needs a little break and vacation, and we were blessed to have a wonderful time. But I'm also excited about getting back into our series of the Psalms in the summer. And so Psalm 46 will probably, probably be in Psalm 46 for three weeks. This is the first week, okay? Maybe two. We'll see how things go. Are you ready for the reading? Again, the superscription is verse 1 in the Hebrew Bible. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. In other words, we're supposed to sing it, right? Like all the rest of the Psalms. And listen to the word of God. This would be verse 2 in Hebrew, verse 1 in your English Bible. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, 
The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. You'll know this verse. If you don't know any other in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Life can hit us hard. We can get hit hard in life. So when that happens, what do you do? It's a good question for all of us. Life hits us in unexpected, and let's be honest, unwanted ways. Pain, suffering, trial tear into our lives, and they bring disruptions, and sometimes even chaos. The idyllic, calm life that you've been living, all of a sudden, gets turned upside down. It may not be that life hits you hard. It could be that somebody hits you hard. And I'm not necessarily saying a punch to the face, which that could happen too. But people can do things to you that it's very unexpected and unwanted, and it can turn your world upside down and turn your word into the wrong direction. The fact and way that our very society is unraveling can hit all of us hard. No amens to that one? You're all good with everything? It seems that things are very crazy these days. The way that politicians lie, and I know, bracket that off, that's usual. The way our faith is attacked in the public arena the way the church is persecuted throughout the world, the way that teachers are fired week after week because they will not give in to transgenderism and homosexuality, and the list goes on, the way Chinese believers are imprisoned, the way that some pastors have even been executed for their faith. These things hit us hard, don't they? Some of us even need to break the habit of watching the news because it bothers us so much. Here's a bigger question in the midst of all of that. What is God doing? Well, I promise you he's at work. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. It could be a sin that has hit you hard. There is a temptation that seemed to come out of nowhere. Or perhaps it was just simply the simmering eruption of your own heart. And your response is, how in the world could I have done that? What do you do when life hits you hard? Well, Psalm 46 is a psalm for people who have been hit and hit hard. It is not for those like Simon Peter who said, I will never do that. The purpose of me saying that is I want to remind you that Psalm 46 is not for self-sufficient people. It's for people who need the Lord. Psalm 46 is also Martin Luther or Martin Luther's psalm. Did y'all know that? Did you know that this is the context for a mighty fortress? 
is, and I know when I say that, most, I could say that 20 years ago and everybody, yeah, mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark, right? Nowadays you say a mighty fortress is our God, people are like, what in the world is, well, this was one of the greatest, it's an immortal hymn that came out of the very Reformation, and it was Martin Luther's favorite hymn, favorite psalm, it is a hymn, and he wrote, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, from this particular song. psalm. So those who have studied the life of Martin Luther will know that he loved the book of Romans, which God used to convert his heart to the gospel, and he loved the book of Galatians. But he also loved the Psalms. And God actually used the Psalms in moving his heart toward the gospel as well. But we know that Luther walked through some very dark, dangerous days of discouragement and depression as he challenged the Catholic Church in their wrong theology of indulgences, of inquisitions, and that you could buy your way to heaven. And he taught that, no, the Bible says you're justified by grace through faith only in Christ. We stand today here in a Baptist church because of the Reformation. I hope you understand that. He also had a trusted associate named Philip Melanchthon. And although Luther was as strong as dog's breath, Philip was not. He was way more timid. And he would often come to Luther and say, I don't know how much more of the controversy I can take. I don't know how many more attacks I can endure. I don't know how many wars, any, many more wars I can afford to see. I don't know how I can stand up under so much pressure. I can't really face one more dark night. And in these dangerous days and times, Luther would say, Come, Philip, let's sing together the 46th Psalm and let them do their worst. This is what they would sing. This is Luther's own strong version a sure stronghold our God is he, a timely shield and weapon. Our help he'll be and set us free from every ill can happen. Luther would later comment on this psalm and say this. We sing this psalm to the praise of our God because God is with us powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his world against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil and against the assaults of the world, the flesh, and the devil. What a psalm. One scholar said, Few psalms breathe the spirit of sturdy confidence in the Lord in the midst of a very real danger as strongly as this one does. It's a good statement. This is a psalm we need to hear today, don't you think? The psalm could be coined as a confidence hymnal or a communal hymnal, meaning a community of faith. So it's designed, this is not an individual lament or an individual psalm. This is a community psalm meant to be sung with confidence before the Lord. It's beautifully structured. You will notice that at the conclusion of verse 3, there is the phrase Selah. At the end of verse 7 is the phrase Selah or the word. And then at the end of verse 11, Selah. Most people believe that Selah means uh, a pause, a musical interlude for us to do some reflection. So that's kind of what my thoughts have been. We'll preach verses 1 through 3 and have some reflection. Selah. And then we'll preach verses 4 through 7 and we'll have some thinking about what we've learned. And then finally 8 through 11, Selah. 
There's also this glorious repetition of this phrase. Check it out. Verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When you see repetition in the word of God, there's a good chance that there's your theme. The Lord God Almighty is with us. That's the title of the sermon, by the way. The Lord Almighty is with us. Aren't you thankful for that? Some propose that the context, we know it's the sons of Korah. They're the musical guild of Israel. We know they're the ones singing the song or giving it to us. But some believe that this is the supernatural deliverance of Jerusalem from the Assyria armies uh, with King Sennacherib, Sennacherib during the reign of Hezekiah. Uh, let me flip over there and just, this is dramatic. Uh, there's no question about it. Listen. And that night the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of, his, of Assyria, departed and went home <clears throat> and lived in Nineveh. Folks, there is no doubt in that situation that God was a refuge, that God was their strength. As a matter of fact, God did it all. And he was their very present help in that kind of trouble. So, I want to remind you there that your deliverance, your need for the Lord this morning uh, may not be that big. It could be small, whatever that may be. We need to have confidence in our God and his protection that is readily available for those who put their trust in him. Folks, this is a declaration. Hear this. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our very present help in trouble. Yahweh Sabaoth, Lord of hosts, the Almighty, is with us. This is a confession of confidence in our God. This morning, let's focus our attention on those first three verses, which are foundational for the next part of the psalm. And you've got one point to remember this morning. Are you ready for it? The Lord is with us in the worst calamities. Now, when you look at these verses, this is what God is for us. Don't just bump over this. This is important. Now, we spend a lot of time in this church trying to get our people to understand who God is. Is that important? What he is like? Uh, what are his attributes? And that is so incredibly important. What God is. What he is like. But what he is for us is what's declared here. I've said this before to you. And it's a statement that has always stuck in my mind, and I hope it sticks in your mind. <clears throat> in the book, The Knowledge of the Holy, A.W. Tozer says, What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Okay? There's nothing more important than what you think about God. What you think about Him doesn't change who God is, but what you think about God sure changes you. Right? So knowing God, who he is and what he is like, is the foundation of a life of faith. Hear that, folks. That's so vitally important, and I hope you get it. Who he is and what he is like is the foundation of a life of faith. According to the superscription, it is to be sung like all the psalms. Here's the worship team, and they're, they're, singing, they're singing this out, and they don't want you to know 
only what God is like, but what He is for you. That's important, folks. What He is like, yes, that, that's theology. That's historical. That is systematic. That is biblical theology. And those things are so vitally important that you know who God is. And some of you are a whole lot further along, although you're younger. And some of you are older and you're a whole lot further along because you've walked with Him and talked with Him along life's way. And you study the Word of God and you know what He is like. But I want you to know today that this is what God is for you. And the first one, it's a declaration. God is our refuge. Do you know how many times that's used in the Bible, in the Old Testament? Ninety-four times. Ninety-four. And forty-four of those are found, guess where? In the Psalms, a fortress is the idea of a shelter that provides protection. That's the image you need to get in your mind when you think about a fortress. Listen to the first verse of Augustus' top lady's Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin, the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. The story behind the hymn was that Top Lady was traveling on foot and got caught in a horrific storm. He saw an outcropping of rocks and he hid himself in the outcropping of rocks, rocks in the midst of the storm. And this is where he was inspired to pen these words. Rock of ages, cleft for me. This is declaring that God who protects, he's the God who protects us from all calamities. And in particular this wicked world that we live in. God is for us, and this is what our God is for us. Listen to Isaiah 25.4. Yahweh is a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. You will need that this week. A shade from the heat. And I know some of this is metaphorical language, but he is the, he is the shelter in the midst of the storms of life, and he is the shade from heat that will usually kill you. It can, right? In Psalm 27, 5, it says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me. That's the verbal form of refuge. He'll conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. I like that. God is our refuge. Proverbs 18:10 doesn't use the verbal form or the noun form of refuge. But boy, howdy, does it speak of the same idea. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into him and they are safe. So when the writer says the name of the Lord is a strong tower, he's expressing that that's the character of our God. Who he is and what he is like. And that actually becomes the strong tower for those who are righteous. They take refuge in all that God is for them and in that they find their safety. God is our refuge. Number two, God is our strength. The name strength or the word is Uzi in the Old Testament. Exodus 15, 2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Psalm 18, 1 says, I love you, Lord, O Lord, I love you, O Lord, my strength. Here's the question What is God's strength? What is God's strength? It is the enablement that he provides for us in his grace. That's what strength is. It's, our, it's the enablement that he provides for us through his grace. Our God is all-powerful. 
He is omnipotent. He has all strength in himself. And he gives that to his people. He gives you his strength when life is falling apart all around you. We know his, he's strong. But this is what he does for us. He gives us strength. What God is in us is strength. What is, what is it ultimately to consider strength? What, what is it? How does it operate in us? Well, I don't think it's a B12, vitamin B12 shot. At the moment you need it, that's a supersonic charge. Okay? He doesn't infuse you with a spiritual steroid. What is his strength? Well, folks, to have the strength of the Lord is to have God. In other words, his strength is that he gives you himself. That's why you must seek him and him only. He gives you himself, who he is. That's your strength. We sing this, don't we? When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid. Most of you young people don't even know that hymn. Don't act like you know it. You don't, right? That's called On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. What a wonderful song. Well, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. God is our strength. God is our help in trouble. The Bible, the CSB says, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Think of, know where we come from. Refuge, strength, help. The, the Jewish English translation, one of them says, a help in trouble very near. Think about that for a moment. It's used this way to complement the two declarations that are before it. God is our refuge. God is our strength. How is he both those things? A very present help in times of trouble. The Hebrew piles up the words for emphasis to help you see how important this is. Now, I thought about this. How in the world can I get people to understand what God is in regard to being a help to us? Uh, the most important helper in my life, other than my wife, to be honest with you, is Don Currents. Don is a massive help to me. But suppose that you walk into my office and Don is in there and he's helping me do something. And you walk in and I say, help, come here. Hmm. How would you think about that? Kind of demeaning, huh? Yeah. Well, what if you come to my home and uh, you've never officially met my bride and, and uh, I say to you, well, this is Natalie, the help. <laughs> Ooh, not so funny when you're the one that's the help, right? You thought it was fun, funny when Don was the help. But now that you're the help, ladies, you're thinking, well, what's up with that? Well, when, you, when we use that term in our culture, it sounds demeaning. But in the Hebrew Bible, it says that God is your help. Are you listening? It's a statement of his abundant sufficiency. It means to provide what someone lacks or God is doing for someone what that person cannot do for themselves. So in that sense, is Natalie my helper? You better believe it. 
I'd be in trouble without her. No question about it. And, as a matter of fact, she's the helper that God has given to me, according to Genesis 2, that corresponds to me. I will make you a helper suitable to you. There's nothing bad in that, ladies and gentlemen. It is awesome and beautiful and wonderful. I will make a helper suitable for you. And that's what the word means. But here's what I want you to understand. God is not a helper who corresponds to me. He's not a helper that corresponds to you. He does absolutely everything for you that you cannot do for yourself, which is everything. That's what it means when it says he is your help. Yahweh is my sufficient help. Then verse 3 adds a very, or the verse adds a very present help in times of trouble. Not, not only is he your help, but he's categorizing, he's telling you what that help looks like. And if we were to speak in wooden, literal terms in Hebrew, it would read something like this. A help in trouble, he is to be found abundantly. That's a lot of words, but that gets it. There's a readiness from our God at just the right time to give his assistance to help us. It's wonderful. He's more than sufficient for any need that you have. Do you believe this? Good SBC church member, more importantly, saint, believer, follower of Christ, do you really believe this? He is our help, a very present help in times of trouble. Or do you, in the circumstances of life, hardly ever even think of God when things are going wrong? You may not like that statement, but that's good preaching. Because so often when circumstances hit us, and it hits us hard, he's the last one we think of. But he ought to be the first one you think of. Number one, he put you there. He allowed that hit for a purpose. He's in control. He's, con he's fashioning you into his image. But we're often like, oh, woe is me. I mean, you look like you're dragging a total funeral procession behind your life. Just out, totally out with one circumstance that comes. But how often do we need, just need to pump the brakes and stop and think and reflect and ask and repeat those things? Refuge, strength, very present help in times of trouble. Right in the midst of that circumstance. The word trouble means dire straits. It means a tough spot, tight spot. You're squeezed. You're trapped in. The sons of Korah are making a declaration through song that God is our refuge. Aren't you thankful? Protection and shelter. He's your strength. He's the enabler who comes and gives himself to you and makes you strong when you are weak. And he is more than enough help for us whenever we need him. Spurgeon, the master, said, God alone is our all in all. All other refuges are refuges of lies. All other strength is weakness, for power belongs to God. But as God is all-sufficient, our defense and might are equal to all emergencies. Boy, that's good. Anything that you need, God is that for you and so much more. It is orthodox, isn't it? And glorious that we can celebrate 
The transcendence of God, the glory of God, the majesty of God, the holiness of God, which means He's altogether different than we are. He is separate from His creation. And all of us should bow before that majestic God who is immortal, invisible, and the only wise God. He never changes, folks, and He is infinitely glorious. That is the God that we serve and that we worship. But hear me. It is that same majestic God who has said, whatever you need, I will be that for you in abundance. That's good. Did y'all get lazy while I was gone? Listen, that's good. Not only is he all these things and more, he's that for you in abundant measure. Think on it. This awesome, majestic, transcendent God is also near to us. He is near to us. I am with you. He is high and lifted up, but he knows exactly what you need and when you need it. Our God says that he will shelter you, strengthen you, help you. The God of the universe says, I will help you. Why would you not then say, help me, Lord? How can we read this and not say this? As long as the song says, Lord, I need you every hour, I need you. Please remember... That you are not a servant of God in the sense that he needs you in order for his purposes to be accomplished. That would be the wrong way for you to understand what it means to be a servant of the Lord. Isaiah 64.4 says, From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who waits for him. What a statement. He, he works for those who wait for him. You need God to be your helper every single day. It's a false humility to think to yourself, well, this is too small of an issue. I don't need to bother God with my trouble. You think you're going to knock his schedule off or something? Do you think for a moment, well, this is too small of an issue. Do you, do you really think you can knock him off his schedule? Do you? Look, it's a false humility to ever think that you shouldn't bother God in your trouble. You think you're going to knock him off his schedule or or thwart his plans. You can't burden him. You can't frustrate him. We think we're big boys and we think we're big girls. But in reality, we are not. We are totally dependent upon him. We need our God to help and he's right there ready. Have you ever noticed simple math in the Bible? Have you? This is Bible math. Are you ready for it? God is our refuge. Verse 2 is Bible math. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our help in trouble. Verse 2, therefore. Faith has a deduction. And the deduction is, if he's my refuge and my strength and my very present help in times of trouble, super abundantly so, then I should not fear. I shall not be afraid. That's simple math. That is how faith deduces situations. Faith makes a deduction. If God is all this for me, then this is absolutely true. This statement is transitional. In other words, you should read that. God is my refuge. God is my strength. Very present help in times of trouble. I will not be afraid. But you should also read, Though the mountains be moved to the heart of the sea. I will not fear. Though its waters roar with foam, I will not fear. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, I will not fear. That's the way it should be read. 
So, it's all gov- governed by, I will not fear. I will not be afraid. If this is what God is for us, refuge. If this is what God does in us, our strength. And this is what God is for us, a very present help in times of trouble. Then we don't need to be afraid. His protection, His presence, His help, His willingness to help us in abundance in my time of need should drive my fears away. Should be true for all of us. When you're gripped by fear in the circumstances of life and it just swallows you up, then I'm telling you folks, you're not doing simple Bible math. If you're gripped by those fears and they're overcoming you in your life, such as, I'm going to die, just read Hebrews 2. He's rendered the enemy powerless, and he takes away the fear of death for the saints. Well, what if I get cancer? Well, for most of us, we probably will in reality, but that's fear that can grip your heart. What about the stock market is going to crash? A person in your life has disappointed you. Folks, you need to look up, stop long enough. You need to stop, rest, think. Refuge, strength, present help. I don't need to be afraid. Isaiah 41.10. Y'all know this one? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Notice the series of events. Notice the series. Though the earth gives way and though the mountains be moved and slip into the heart of the sea. What do you know about a mountain? It's not supposed to move, is it? Some of you who are from California, and I know we've had an influx of California people all around the world for various reasons. I know what some of them are. But you've been around earthquakes haven't you? And maybe we felt a tremor or two living in Missouri or wherever you've lived. You may have felt a little bit of that, but that's very unsettling, isn't it? To hear, to feel the earth violently shaking underneath your feet. Why? Because the ground we walk on is not supposed to move. It's supposed to be stable. Mountains are a symbol of enduring stability. The text also says, though the waters foam, the idea is earthquakes, mountains sliding off into the sea, Tidal waves, tsunamis, the mountains quake with its turmoil. The very earthly symbols of strength and stability are trembling and tottering. The very things you thought you could count on, hear me folks, are weak, they're vulnerable, and unstable. And I know we realize that this imagery can be applied to national disasters, and it can be. There's no question about it. It could be the idea of war. No matter how you view this, this is calamitous. Thus the division of the sermon, right? The Lord is with us in worst, in the worst calamities. This speaks of the uncertainties of life. It is troubles that threaten our peace, that threatens your safety. These are troubles that shake you, rattle you, and unravel you to the core. So much so that even when we seek to pray to our God... We began to make our petitions, but we have so much fear in us that it envelops our souls, and we can't even pray. And some of you have been there. I've been there. I don't believe that that means you're unspiritual. I just think you've lost sight for a second. And I'm trying to get you back on sight. 
I'm trying to get you refocused upon what your prayer life should be like. Instead of being consumed by fear, where you can't even get your petitions out to God, you need to realize that He's your refuge. He's your strength. He's your very present help in times of trouble. You should not fear, though all these things take place. Hamilton, Old Testament scholar, notes that these verses envision a time when all creation, land, mountains, seas, will experience an apocalyptic uproar. So how many of you read those statements and all of a sudden your mind went to the book of Revelation? Raise your hand. Some of you did. I think there is a practical understanding of why David or the, uh, the sons of Korah would have given that for uh, them being against Sennacherib's armies, right? We think there's, there's no doubt uh, calamities and God needed to be their strength and their refuge. But I will say to you, because of what it says in verse 4, the glad city of God, that there's no doubt that this has eschatological overtones. In other words, God's creation is one day going to be unmade. And when that happens, only his people will find refuge in him. Are y'all listening? He'll be your strong refuge. We know what the book of Revelation teaches. There will be an end to history as we know it. God will purge from creation everything that has defiled the world. He made pure. And we can take refuge in him because of his mercy toward sinners. Praise God that we can. God will judge his enemies, but he'll give mercy to those who repent and trust him. So in times of uncertainty, calamitous times, times when you feel your life has been turned inside out, listen to what our God is. Refuge, shelter, strength, very present help in times of trouble. You cry out like the psalmist in Psalm 61 when he said, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Some things, folks, you just can't fix on your own. you got to get over that. A countryman's way of saying that is this. Duct tape doesn't fix everything. It just can't. Some things crumble around you, and you can't fix it. God says in the midst of that, I will be your help. God will give you himself so that you will be able to stand. Even though life crumbles, even though tears fall, there's pain in the soul. I get it. I've been there. He's more than sufficient. That's my testimony. That's what the Word of God says. He's more than sufficient to help you. The most amazing demonstration of this reality to me in these verses, is not a deliverance like you see from the angel of the Lord in 2 Kings. Now, don't we want that? Lord God, extricate me from this pain, from this trouble, from this difficult situation. But I think the most awesome miracle and demonstration of this text is that when all the powers of hell have been released against you and the storms of life are battering you and they're pummeling you left and right, nonstop, day and night, then right in the midst of that dark night of turmoil, God comes and shelters you right in the midst 
of the trouble. That's the most awesome part. He comes and he helps. You come out on the other side, still believing, still worshiping, still praising God, who has sustained you in the darkest night of your soul. And if you haven't been there, you will. If you haven't been there, you will. The idyllic way that you think the American dream and false preachers tell you it's like that, they're hirelings. The real life is dark nights. They will come. It's not all idyllic, is it? It's not utopia, pie in the sky by and by. I remember that, David. Last time I forgot to say that when I was preaching. That's what we've been lulled to sleep in the U.S. to think that. And preachers jump on that bandwagon because they think they can draw a crowd and be pragmatic and tell you you're going to be happy in your whole life if you come to our church. God is obligated to bless you. I don't know what Bible they're reading. That's because they're not. They're not reading the Bible. They're not preaching the Bible. They're preaching humanism. They're not preaching theology. They're selling a false lie to the people. The Bible teaches that we have hard times. And the Bible teaches that sometimes God doesn't take you out of the hard times. He's with you through them. And there's a reason for that. There's something bigger than right now in the U.S. There's eternity. And God is fashioning you. Who would not want the Lord to stretch his mighty hand out like he did so many times in the world, in the Bible, and instantaneously take us out? It's not wrong to pray for that. But God's way is more often the way to grow you and deepen your faith and to help you persevere is for you to go right through the middle of it. And for him to see, for you to see that he's your strength. So why should you trust him? Well, here it is. Our refuge, our strength, our very present help in times of trouble. What makes this psalm's teaching a possibility? What, how can God be our refuge? How can he be our strength? I'm telling you that is categorically impossible without the cross and the resurrection. Do I need to connect you? I'm going to do it anyway. Psalm 2. All psalms are interconnected. Don't forget this. It's one book. Don't ever divorce Psalm 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 from Psalm 46. Or 78. Or even 150. Here's what it says. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry. And you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Who, who are we talking about? Well, it's talking about the son of God. Isaiah 7.14. Let me just tell you how he can be your refuge and why he can be it. Because Isaiah 7.14 says that a virgin shall be with child and his name will be called Emmanuel. God is with us. God has never been more with us than when he condescended from heaven and took on who you are and who I am in human flesh. And God was with us. And when you get to Matthew chapter 1 verse 23... You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. His name will be called Emmanuel, and the, and the New Testament translates, which means God with us. In Hebrews 2, you stay where you are, listen, I'm turning fast. Hebrews 2, 
Verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the, de- the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Do you see what the Son of God did for us? To be with us. And then again, let me finish with Romans. Why is this so important, folks, for you to find your refuge in Christ? Just listen to the Word of God. Are you listening? Nobody moving around. Just listen. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be found, may be held accountable to God. Hear that. The whole world is held accountable to God. And verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since... Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But listen to this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Don't you understand that God gave you an opportunity for a refuge? Why? Because he himself had to do it in such a way where he saved you from himself. And there's no way to be in God apart from Christ. There's no way for God to be propitiated in wrath. That's against sin without Jesus. So let me tell you folks, there's not a half a hallelujah chance of heaven apart from taking refuge in Jesus Christ. And you need to come to the place where you can honestly say, I trust you Lord Jesus and you alone to forgive me of my sin and placate the righteousness, the, the, the wrath of God, propitiate it, turn it away on my behalf so that I can take refuge in you. You need to come to the place where you say, Lord Jesus, if you don't take me to heaven, I'm not going. Because he's the only one that can. you got to kiss the son, lest he become angry. Blessed are all those who take refuge in the son. I want you to know that the cross proves that all God said he is for us, he will be for you all the way to the end. Think about what he did for you. The Bible says, he that did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us freely, will he not with him freely give us all things? Praise God. Jesus Christ is the very incarnation of our refuge and our strength. Listen to verse 3 of Rock of Ages. Are you ready for it? Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to... The cross I cling, naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. That's it. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Are you ready for this? Into verse 3. Selah. Selah. Think about this. Stop. Reflect. Meditate. 
And whatever your, the shape of your difficulties that assail you right now, we will not fear. We have a refuge. We have strength. We have a present help from the Lord. Next week, we're going to see that God has a city of joy. And he's with us there too. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, for the lost person under the sound of my voice, Lord, may they kiss the sun. Take refuge in Jesus. Lord, help them to understand. Lord, remove the callousness from their hearts, the scales from their eyes, so that they can see the glory of the gospel. That only happens through the preaching of the word, accompanied by the wonderful Holy Spirit of God. Lord, use your word to help them see that they must trust Jesus to be forgiven of their sins. Lord, may you work in the hearts of those. And for Christians, Lord, help us in the circumstances of life to remember that you are a refuge, strength, and a very present help in times of trouble. We will not fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our guilt and our kin. Yonder on Calvary's mount of glory, there where the blood of the Lamb was Thank you, Brother David. Our musicians, y'all do an excellent job. We appreciate all of you. Amen? Amen. All right. Tonight, we'll have our normal uh, quarterly membership meeting. That's a nice way to say it. Back in the day, we'd say business meeting in Baptist life, but we don't like that terminology because that means people are going to take the gloves off and try to fight, right? <laughs> That's not what our church does. So we have a membership meeting. Uh, we're going to present... Uh, kind of the financials for the last few months get you up to speed on those things we will also present something to you that hasn't been done in over 30 years just think about that for a moment 
we're going to present to you nine elders and I don't know 18 or 19 deacons just think about that it hasn't taken place in 30 years to ordain or to seek to move in that direction of ordaining elders and uh, deacons that have already been ordained some but we're going to ordain new deacons out of that group too we're going to present that tonight uh, it'll be a joyful time for us to be together so I'm trying to say all that to say Sunday's not over all right go home take a nap I will but I'll come back at 5.30, a little bit before that. The most important thing we'll do tonight, though, is take the Lord's Supper. Okay? As often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. I hope you'll come back and be a part of that. David, did we miss anything? All right. God bless you.